Jacob, I have a question for you. How many times are you going to change the scene behind you? Because every time you get on this, uh, so so do you just spend your time going, hmm, I need another way of looking at my room or, I mean, really, truly, it looks good. I know people can't see it, but it's it's got some cool colors. Yeah. And your drum set, but that's not what you had last time. Last time it was just solid black, so. Yeah. Anyway, I, so what's going on here? What's the change all about? I spice it up. I mean, so what I've been doing is I've been taking my uh, set other places. So when I came back recently, I had it... I just have like this space behind me because the way my desk is, is like I kind of stare at a wall, um, which is all like foam covered to make the sound all nice and neat. And then my I have like my little production lights that I use. Now, most of the time we're not really recording video, so I don't <laughs> I just got to turn it on for funsies so you can see me. But um, I wanted I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put my drums in the middle of the room. And then that day, I was like, you know what? I thought about filming some stuff, like actual like drumming things. Um, and so I set oh. the lights up and I did all that. But then I ended up not doing that. So it was more for vanity and it made my drums look really good. So it made a nice Instagram shot, which people can see if they follow me on Instagram. But um, it's so that's why there's really no rhyme or reason. Um, I just wanted to move things around. I have the space and felt like. This was what needed to happen. And now I'm sitting here and I look good with the blue and pinkish purple <laughs> behind me when no one's going to see yeah, except yeah. for you. So they're just going to have to take our word yeah. for it. It could look horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, you you took a, a, a shot a minute ago, so maybe you can put that up. People can see it. Yeah, well, that was, that was mostly of me. I need people to see my face. <laughs> I got you. Maybe we'll do a, I'll, I'll do a picture and then we can put it in the post so people can see. All right. All right. <laughs> so is that what you're doing right now? No, yeah, I'm just doing it right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, everybody, welcome to Craft and Draft. That's Jacob on Pam, and we're doing Craft and Draft whatever podcast. What are we talking about today, Jacob? <laughs> we're doing Craft and Draft whatever podcast. <laughs> That's right. That's our new catchphrase. No, uh, it's not. No, it is what it is. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be jumping into... An interesting topic. It connects to our AI conversation. So if you've been privy to the last two episodes, um, then you know this is kind of where our brains are at. Uh, but something connected to that are kind of these plagiarism checkers. Now, this might be more applicable to the higher grades, but I think the conversation is still interesting. Um, so we're going to hit on some of that. Really, actually, we're going to veer a lot through just plagiarism in general and how to get kids away from that. So the, the AI and the tech piece would kind of be secondary. But I thought talking about plagiarism is something I don't think we've ever really talked about that in general on the show. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was going to line up nice and neat. But before we get to the topic, I'm going to tell you that this episode is sponsored by you guys, the people who join us over there at patreon.com slash craft the draft and or go to craftthedraftworkshop.com and click that link to get to the Patreon page. They get bonus episodes, bonus content. They got the bonus video last week. Everyone did. We're going to do another video for the listener plus tier before the end of the month. We got a bonus episode coming before the end of the month. Ocho and I will be talking to each other a lot over the next several days, whether she wants to or not. But <laughs> the people that benefit of there, just like you can, and they keep this podcast alive. They are Alicia, Brandy, Liam, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, Melissa, Destiny, Lori, Natalie, Susan, Tracy, Andrea, Hannah, Lori, Jen, Matt, Amanda, and Donna. They all support us over there just like you can. So go join us. 
get some bonus content, have direct line of contact with us. We know it's summer. We know you're relaxing, but it's never too late to join the Craft and Draft family. A lot of good stuff coming down the pipe exclusively for Patreon. So be aware of that. And then we'll obviously do our back to school training um, coming up and maybe some other ideas. I don't know. Sue and I are cooking up some details. We're just trying to align our schedules. I'm in a principal now, so my, go, my summer ends a lot earlier than Ochoa's. Ochoa has a definite summer, but um, yep. <laughs> enough of that. Let's go get to the conversation. It's pretty full. <laughs> All righty, yeah. Ochoa. Hmm. Where do we want to go first? Plagiarism. This is, this is a common issue, right? I think it is a common issue. It's, I think it's, it's been an issue since I was in school. Yeah. I bet it's been an issue before then. Probably people stealing work, calling it their own. I think um, that's why we have copyright laws. Yeah. But you know what's interesting about this? And I get, I don't know, mm-hmm. if this is probably not the best way to start this conversation. But <laughs> uh, plagiarism in general is has taken a weird hit in the digital space. So there's a lot of, I'll give you an example. So there's a lot of content okay. that is all about kind of reacting, right? TikTok, you can literally, and Instagram, I think, you can literally record yourself watching someone's video and responding to it um, as your own. It does like a little side-by-side. Um, before that, people were just recording themselves, watch videos, like reacting to music, reacting to games, reacting to speeches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is all breaking copyright. Every single inch of that is breaking copyright as far as I'm concerned, but no one cares because it really doesn't hurt anybody. But here's the thing. Talk about video games. There's certain, uh, things that like, for instance, video games, because technically streaming is breaking copyright when they're streaming a video game and you're watching it on the internet, that is technically breaking copyright. Why don't they make this a big deal for the most part? Because they make money off of this, right? It's free advertising. You see someone having fun. They know that leads to people buying video games. However, a lot of the times there's music in the games that are more popular and protected by different copyright laws. And so streamers mm-hmm. either skip over that, they turn off the music entirely, or video games have now baked into settings a lot of the times. It says streamer settings, so it plays different music than the copywritten music. Oh, that I did not know. So there's that is interesting. So this world of copyright, I think a lot of people think about it in this kind of black and white terms of you're stealing something or using it as your own. But I think the newer generation. I don't think they see it that way. They see it as collaboration a lot of the times. They see it as um, innovation, which it technically is in the digital landscape. But I think this is another case, again, where classrooms have kind of lagged behind some of these ideas a little bit for the sake of just kind of, I guess, tradition. Um, this is why I said it's a horrible place to start because I've already opened like 90,000 doors. So Ochoa, uh-huh. you, you pick one you want to walk into and I'll follow you through it. I, that's like, well, you know, as a teacher, I did this year have, you brought up a, a memory, but I had two kiddos that, you know, they watch video games together. They, they do all this together and we were creating a screenplay or something like that. Or I had the kids kind of challenge them to do that. And so these two turned in the same screenplay. And so, you know, how you read one and then you turn around going, you grade all your others and you go, wait, I've 
I've read this somewhere already. So then you go back and you, you know, of course they were sitting together and they said, well, because of my workshop atmosphere, they felt like, well, it's okay if we just turn in the same thing. We were talking about it together. We were collaborating. So it's okay. And I said, well, that's not really what I had in mind, you know, turning in the same work. I said, so I can either divide the work, you know, y'all get a 100, divide it in half, that gives you 50. What? I said, or who who wrote, who mainly wrote the first one? So I did, I sat down and talked with them. I said, who mainly wrote the first one? I want to know who actually came up with the idea. So I sat down with them and, and sure enough, I found out you could tell that one person led the idea and the other one just kind of tagged along. So they had to write a second scene and the other guy had to do most of the work. And that's how they were. And so they, so he had to turn in the second scene for him. So it was still the same idea, that collaboration, but I made him write the second scene since the other guy wrote the first scene. And that's how I worked that out. So, you know, this plagiarism or this copying each other or working together, and I'm putting up air quotes, uh, you know, this kind of thing has caused me to be somewhat creative sometimes because I don't want to penalize them completely, but I, you know, I could be real mean. I mean, I remember where, uh, I mean, to copyright, I mean, to plagiarize or anything like that, or to turn in the same kind of work. I mean, some, some teachers, uh, and rightly so, I guess, um, you know, just throw a, you know, Nope, they're at zero no matter what, throw it out, turn them in, write them up. And I just found that that was not as productive for me. So I, sit, I simply sat down with them and found out why they did what they did. And then from there, I gave them an option. I can either do your traditional discipline or we can go this route and I can still get a product out of them. So I usually went on the route of still getting a product with them and then just kind of put a middle note or a little side note in my in my records that said, uh, you know, watch them a little bit closer and make sure they get to think individually because I've allowed them to work too close together. So anyway, I don't know if that's, but that's something that I'm wondering if when you said uh, kids today look at it maybe as collaboration, that's really how those two looked at. They didn't look at it at all. When I talked to them, they thought, no, we, we talked about it. So it's ours, you know, and it's like, well, no, that's not quite how it works. It's not with the... It was just kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, and truthfully, uh, I, I guess I should say this. We're about almost 11 minutes in. And I know people are having a heart attack already. Um, yeah. Kids shouldn't copy stuff. And I've had and I, I have had kids turn in a piece that was clearly taken from the internet. I found it in two seconds. And so I had to address it with, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I know what, how yeah, sixth graders to. are. Right? I know what seventh graders are. Mm-hmm. I like, I know eighth graders. And so we're not talking about that, right? That is, th- that is what it is. But I think there's this other kind of nuance thing, which I think is challenging for schools because it's, it's almost like there's a great video. It's old. I'd probably never be able to find it, but it's from Hank Green. Um, mm-hmm. He, did a whole video on like the, the nebulousness of copyright on YouTube. Right. That's where I got most of like the, that information that I I kind of opened up with. Um, and it was really fascinating because he's a content creator. Uh, he has a lot of investments in YouTube or at least he used to. Um, and it's this weird 
place of what is stealing these days. And we've all kind of done lessons like this, right? Like we've done, like we've looked at old stories and new stories and we're like, okay, so where's, where does copyright begin? Right. When is the Lion King stealing too much from Hamlet? Right. Or any mm -hmm. of those things. Right. It's so when we say, I think sometimes in the name of tradition, maybe, uh, plagiarism becomes a no-no thing when really what's happening is more of like an Austin Cleon approach of steal like an artist, right? Borrowing from your um, inspirations. Have you ever read that book, by the way? Steal like an artist. I have seen it. I have not read it. You should. I personally, okay. I'll I think add it, it to my list. Uh, something I always <laughs> wanted to do in the classroom and I never got to. So someone feel free to steal this idea uh, is I always wanted to open up the year by reading that as a class because it's super short. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you can literally probably read it the whole thing in 30 minutes if you wanted to, but it's, it, there's a lot of visuals. It's, it's almost like a coffee table book, right? It's not like a real book, quote unquote, but right. the ideas in it are so cool because it talks about stealing like an artist, AKA you steal in order to hone. So if you're like, man, I really yeah. want to do something like that. It's okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. But with that as my, as my goal, like how many things have stolen the narrative of star Wars, right? But they're different in their own way. The, the hero's journey itself is repeated a billion times in art and in movies and in books. <laughs> um, but we don't consider that copywritten, but if a kid writes something that is very similar to something else, um, especially if we're using programs that detect plagiarism, so to speak, like turn it in. Um, right. All of a sudden we're, we're kind of, I don't know. It's like, we're, we're painting with a really broad brush on this plagiarism thing. But I also like, if I was sitting with a group of teachers right now and we were face to face and they're like, okay, so what is plagiarism in the classroom? That's an interesting conversation. So I don't like in because I, I want a more nuanced approach to this. And I think it, it it helps. But I don't know what the right answer to that is. It's kind of difficult. Well, you know, I've always taken the route and, and probably, you know, just with all my Abydos, we always give credit. You always give credit. And um, so. So when you say, you know, like if we're using a strategy, we'll say, well, this strategy actually came from Peter Elbow and we're going to actually change it or modify it to fit what we're doing right now. But the original idea came from this person and this is how we're going to change it. And so uh, I think giving credit is something that, uh, you know, you, you pay homage, if you will, to the owner of the original idea. And so it was always real important to, to us. Like when I had to do all of my uh, presentations for certification, one of the things that they insist, and, and we actually get graded on it, and that is how far back did you learn where that idea came from? And that's one reason why, you know, like I know sometimes where that idea originated because in many of my presentations in order to satisfy their requirements i had to find out where that idea actually originated uh in in research as far back as i could go and then you kind of give a synopsis or a scenario as well this idea started here and then it would develop to this and this is how i'm going to use it and this is how it works for me in the classroom and so that to me is is giving ownership and i think 
I've taken that approach in the classroom is, and maybe that's why, you know, I probably gave everybody a heart attack where I said, I don't really do the traditional, you know, discipline. But the thing is, 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 is you got to teach the kids to give, you know, where did that original idea actually come from? And what have you done to change it? And, and how have you done it? And the same thing, like you said, um, stealing, you know, like, like an artist. I mean, that, that's the whole idea of mentor text is you take a piece of that text and then you use it to, to, like you said, hone your craft. And so you, you have to study art. You study, that's why readers, writers, uh, uh, writers who read a lot make better writers. Does that make sense? Because they have, and, and the more and the varied types of reading that you do, the the better you get. But, you know, that's why I think author studies are real important because you can look and see they have a certain voice. We talked about it the other day, um, just on the little uh, blurbs. I told you that I had to take what, you know, I use that uh, GT, uh, GPT chat to kind of help me formulate one of the blurbs just because I was playing around with it and it did not sound like me, but, um, so, so you also have to develop your own voice and your own style and you don't really know what your style is if you haven't really studied other styles. I mean, so, you know, how do you take it and change it and make it yours? Uh, I think to me, that's what, what I would want to have in the classroom versus, you know, trying to catch every plagiarist there is out there, because believe me, we've all plagiarized on accident sometimes not realizing that we've taken too much of something. Uh, and that's, that's what songs and all of that's about. You can yeah. take too much of it. Mm -hmm. I think you mentioned something that's pretty interesting, which is we, what, what the focus should be in the classroom, right? Should like kids not steal? Of course. However, if they are, that's telling you something about their skill level or your assignment or their willingness yeah. to do the assignment or their unwillingness. Like all of that's good information for you to have because you get to judge. OK, so why are they doing it? I had a kid. He was not a good writer. He had huge gaps. He wrote pretty much at a second grade level, read at a second grade level. He loathed writing time at the beginning of the year. Um just absolutely loathed it. And then he eventually turned in a piece that was really good and it was completely stolen. I'm like, there's zero chance he wrote this. And so I went and sat with him. I said, hey, man, I know this is stolen. No, it's not. It's fine. You're not in trouble. I know it's stolen. It's cool. It is what it is. It's a good piece, honestly. <laughs> you got good taste. Um, but from there, we went to, so why do you think... I was like, what made you do this? He was like, well, I needed the grade. And I said, okay, so let's talk about how I grade. And then we kind of went through that. And I stressed how I don't, you know, it's it's not a, he's not following a specific rubric. You can earn points um, just by going through the writing process. You can pass just by going through the writing process and publishing, right? Now you mm -hmm. get the higher grades by going above and beyond and doing well and doing all of that stuff. But in general, you can do that. And that's in a classroom where I focus heavily on kind of freeing them up from that. Right. I always talk about like getting school out of the way. I don't want you doing this because you want the grade. I want you doing it because you care about it. And even in that scenario, he still did that. And I had to remind him. But once I did that, guess what? He started writing all kinds of stuff. He turned in pieces that were like two sentences long. But those two sentences took forever to write. Mm -hmm. and eventually he started writing more and he ended up doing tons of stuff because you do one and I reward him for it. 
And then he's like, oh, that's what I can do? Yes, dude. Like, you can write and and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's where I had a lot of success uh, getting kids to write is just removing that pressure. Because I think that's why people I, I think that's why people plagiarize in general and cheat on assignments is because they care or they feel like the teacher cares more about the grade than the actual thing. But if you create a classroom, that's more about the learning and the process, which is what mm-hmm. workshop teaching is about. In my opinion, right. You're removing the need to plagiarize or cheat or do any of these other things because there's, they, they have everything they need. And so they don't, Usually when kids do that, I would say probably 95% when they plagiarize or steal something like that, it's coming from a place of they feel pressure from the class. They want the grade. Uh, it's not connecting to them. There's like, whatever, I'm just going to do this, right? They do it almost out of necessity. Then you have the 5% that's going to do it because they're turds, right? Like, we're not going to get rid of, like, we're not going to focus <laughs> every decision on mm-hmm. the group of people that just want to do it anyway. But I would say the vast majority do it... Uh, for good reasons in their own right, but because we, we put so much pressure on like this final grade on making the grade on making the deadline. Um, and I think that's where a lot of the times we go wrong. I think we could fix a lot of plagiarism problems, not all of them, but I think we could fix a lot of them if we just restructured where the, the focus is of, of the writing instruction. What do you think? Well, yeah. And I think another place where I think kids will plagiarize and, a lot of times they do it un- unknowingly, and that is when you create this research project or this research paper. And uh, I was, as a matter of fact, I, you know, I was accused of plagiarizing, and I, and I guess I really did. And that was over when I was in high school, and I did a research project because I misunderstood how much of the quote I should or shouldn't use, and so you end up you know, finding all these quotes about something you really didn't know much about to begin with. So you piece together all these quotes and you don't put in your own ideas. So one thing that I have done, um, and I got this actually, you know, from Abydos again, but, um, and this was uh, when I looked at the iSearch paper, but there's this project that we do and it's in uh, Acts of Teaching. But one of the things that, that they do is, and I think I've kind of perfected it because I did this with the kids. But what they do is, is they have their topic, right? Let's say they have a topic. They want to learn more about it, et cetera. And I always have them choose their own topics because I find that I'm more successful when they choose their topic than when I choose a topic for them and they don't care about it. You know, they're more apt to just throw something together. So, but when they care about it, that's something that changes, their willingness to go look stuff up. And so they look everything up. They don't write anything down and they put it all in this. I usually had them put it in an envelope. So they put, so they'll find like, you know, their note cards or whatever it is, their post-it notes, whatever. And they go find it and then they put, and they write down where they found it, et cetera. Cause you had to kind of keep a tally, you know, where you found it. And so then they put all this in their note cards, not in the note cards, in a, in a, in a folder or in a, in a, in an envelope, a big, huge envelope. And so they look and look and look and look. All right. Then I say, okay, turn your envelope over to the side that has the smoothest area. Cause you know how you take an envelope, the front of it's real smooth. The back of it has all the folds and everything. So on the front of it, 
they take this big long envelope, this uh, and then they write everything they know about what they've learned about their topic. And so they just turn it over and they write and they're like, immediately they'll say, but I need to get, no, you don't just write whatever, you know. So what they do is they end up writing and they surprise themselves about how much they've learned just by looking everything up. And then they just write it. So now they've got their voice because they've written it in their own words. And then they go back in and they read it. They pull out their cards where all their information that they did. And then they use what they wrote. Well, what did I not? get enough information about. And so then they compare what they write to the quotes and then they find quotes to support their thoughts. And then they insert the quotes. And by doing it that way, it just, it became more of their own and less of just putting a bunch of quotes together and then coming up with sentences to, so, to transition the quotes. Uh, so it was, it, to me, that was probably the most success I had. And I quit having a lot of issues with plagiarizing. Now, in a workshop, and we've said this before, but uh, in a workshop classroom like this, I'm out there with them. I see them right every day. We have our craft and draft uh, notebooks, and I see them right. And so when you're talking about looking, you know, when they turn something in and you know, what they sound like or what they don't sound like, because you've been in the process with them. You've been working with them. So I've always uh, believed that they should write in the classroom. And then if they go home and, and type it, that's one thing. But typically what they're going to type is what they've already written. They're just going to copy it. So I've read it enough by the time they turn it in that I know what they've stolen and what they haven't stolen. And so typically, typically. Yeah. And that's kind of how I handled it in the classroom. Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is the other. So passion, right? Get kids connected to it. Get them to want to write. I think that the likelihood of them stealing something decreases exponentially the more they care about whatever they're trying to write about. If they're right. trying to write the perfect piece about a breakup, they're not going to want to steal because it's not the same. If they want to write a piece to their parent that they really care about or who's sick or maybe passed away or whatever, right? They, that, that is going to be so personal. Now, this is the thing. Linda Reef does borrow a line all the time. You read this. What's a line that stands out to you? Use that to get going. I talk to my students about it all the time. A lot of them, they would do that with music, right? A song would have a line. And a lot of times they would use it as a launching point. Or they're like, oh, I think this would be good here. And I allowed that uh, because that, that's what that is. It's, it's borrowing. It's remixing. It's, it's them learning how to piece together stuff. Like, I think that, like, there should probably be these controls for teachers on, like, where does plagiarism, like, matter the most? And I, I would probably say high school level AP essays are where you're getting a lot of your plagiarism concerns, right? Um, yeah. Just in, in for a lot of reasons. But getting kids up to that point pretty much all through school, I think it's so much less about what's kind of being plagiarized and more about what's the kid learning by using this line? Like why can they analyze why they like that line? Can they analyze if they write something that's really similar to a short story or to a picture book or to an article they read or to a song they heard? 
if it's so close, do can you have that conversation with them about, okay, so what is it about this that you're interested in? Why, how do we do kind of our, our own version of this? And that to me, when I say like, where's the learning, like that's the learning, right? When I was a kid and I wanted to write, you know what I did? This is a true story. So I took like, I, you know, like the, the tiny paperbacks, right? Like the little, mm-hmm. like little rectangle books pretty much. I hate those, by the way. I've hated them my whole life. They're too tiny. I don't. I don't like the way they. I don't like reading about from them. I think the last book I read in that form was Ender's Game. Um, oh, but okay. uh, I was so when I was a kid, I was like, I want to write, and I was really into Lord of the Rings and fantasy and everything. And so what I did is I got all of this notebook paper and I cut it at the size of a book, right? Because that in my head, that made sense. So I did all that, stapled it together and then wrote. And I pretty much just copy wrote all of Lord of the Rings, like as far as I could until I got bored. Right. Um, I did the same thing with a variety of stuff. That's literally how I started writing is I was interested in something and I was like, I want to do that. And so I would write about it. Um, I remember my first like one of my teachers, Mr. Hansen. In elementary school, he taught us that um, the national anthem was a poem, right? And uh-huh. I thought that was so interesting. And I was like, it's so long. And so what did I do? I set out to write an epic poem that was longer than that. <laughs> but I, bar- I borrowed so much from that, right? And I, I just think about like it's how you learn and the, like the workshop model of put a a, a, a a model text up, analyze it, do whatever, ask kids to connect to it. If they do sweet, go for it. If you don't connect to it, awesome. There's something cool in here. There's a word, there's a phrase, there's structure here. Let's borrow from it. Now let's go into workshop and figure out how this works for your voice. And the more you do that, uh, the less plagiarism becomes a problem because like you said, you're with kids, right? That's like the number one Mm -hmm. thing. Like when our principal, uh, not this last year, but the year before they were mm-hmm. worried about, you know, kids cheating. Right. And they were like, well, go, they could hide, go guardian. How do you stop them from doing that? And she just stood there and went move around the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's like, you're not going to catch everything, but if you're always moving around and you're talking to your kids and you're talking about their writing every single day, and you're talking about what's inspiring them, you can help them through like, Hey, I know you really like this. Now, how do we remix this and kind of make it our own rather than I assign you do. And then you turn it in all copywritten because you didn't know what to do. Right. No, that's true. And if they are, if you have a lot, if you have that problem a lot, then, then I think you need to address it. And, um, and I think you need to address it. Like, I mean, I've had whole lessons about plagiarism and about copyright and all of that. And, and, um, you know, and, and I do think you need to address it if that's an issue, but sometimes we need to, like you said at the beginning is you need to kind of reflect on why are they doing it? Is it something, is it my assignment? I mean, is my assignment too difficult or is it, did I, did I skip a step in teaching them how to uh, paraphrase how to gather information, how to put their thoughts down. Uh, you know, what is it that's causing this issue that makes them want to do that? Is it that my deadlines are too too quick uh, or too hard? And, you know, I like to do windows, but there is a hard deadline because I have to have my grades done. So uh, yeah. there is one. So did I give enough time in my assignment uh, you know, so there's a lot of different reasons why uh, they copyright 
uh, or they they plagiarize. Uh, but I, you know, I did teach it as a lesson, and I always stress citation from the beginning. And here's the thing about like that research project, so to speak, the research paper. Um, there's research in everything, and so a lot of times when the students will be reading like a poem, um, what was the research? What did the author look at? That get, where did they get their information? So if it's science fiction, where did they get the science? Is the science real? Where does the theory come from that they're using? And so, so I like sometimes to take that book study and have the students go find it. If it's historical fiction, if it's something like that, or even if it's nonfiction, where did they get their information? And see, as a student, you can find it so that you can show them that these authors are also researching. And so then... You find like in nonfiction, you know, at the back where they give all the references. And so you show that to them. And so, again, you you show the students that all authors are doing this because it's it's their ownership and they want to give credit to where they give their information from. And that's what we do as writers. And it's just something we do. And so then all of a sudden, like I did, there's this one. We were kind of in a hurry uh, this last time. Uh, trying to get stuff turned in before the school ended. And uh, there was uh, one of the kids, we were doing a presentation where I had the kids create a presentation and they were like, so where do we need to put our, I mean, the kids so or were used to, they're like, do we need to have a citation slide? Do we need to have it? So it was kind of neat that I left it out because I'm just like trying to get it all done. But the kids were wanting, I guess I I pushed that issue so much throughout the year that they're like, well, where do we put our citations? It was just automatic. And these were seventh graders. So, uh, you know, I have some that didn't do that, but, uh, but honors kids, especially, where do we put our citations? Ms. Ochoa? Do we, and I, you know, and then I said, well, yeah, I left out that slide. Let's do a reference slide. So we talked about what references, citations, resources, and what all those meant. And, uh, but it came up naturally in the project that we were doing. But it was kind of neat to hear them remind me that we need to cite. <laughs> so that was kind of a neat, a well, neat experience. One way I led into that uh, with sixth graders is when I knew we were kind of going into the research unit and we were going to talk about all of that. I started getting them used to telling me what their inspirations were. And Crack the Draft kind of does this in general. Oh. For people for, mm -hmm. for people that have seen our presentation, you can catch that at the Listener Plus tier on patreon.com slash craft the draft. But for those of you <laughs> who haven't, Commercial. Uh, yeah. Um, we uh, kind of the assessment tool that I like to use, a part of it is them rating themselves, and a part of it they tell me what inspired them, what got them used to that. And I think that really that's what a citation is. It's what inspired you to say this, right? What, yeah, that's true. What, and I think that's a really non-scary way to introduce citations and to int introduce like giving credit where credit's due, right? Because kids like they do it all the time. They'll, they'll talk about, Oh, I got this joke from this or, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll reference stuff. It's not like they don't want to, but in school we make it this big, scary thing. It has to be mm -hmm. correct. And everything has to be in order. You know how badly I cited crap in college. It's got away from it. <laughs> I just, uh, now I got, to be fair, I did 
get better uh, both on my own volition and because i had to as i got to masters and stuff but yeah when you get to masters they get really picky about it sure and but that's so far down the line and we make it this satanic ritual almost in school (laughs) and kids hate it they're they despise it but really all you're doing is giving credit to what inspired you to write about what you wanted to write about what what gave you this idea or what you know how are you really backing up your evidence right and if you really care about your topic then you're really going to care about showing why you're correct and i think that's the interesting thing because people can then then you get into the conversation of well how do you get them engaged or whatever we have the thousands that's not true we have hundreds of podcasts <laughs> where we talk about how to get kids engaged in writing. So we don't necessarily have to do it in this one, but I think that it's just looking at why plagiarism exists for students, why it happens in the first place. And I, I, I don't know. I just really believe that most of it is innocence. I, I really don't think it's, it's, it's nefarious. Do you think like, uh, let's just clear that up. Like, do you think kids plagiarize mostly because they're trying to get away with something or because they don't have the necessary setup or tools to do so. Which one do you think is more I, accurate? Well, I think when they're younger, it's just trying to get, they don't have the tools or they yeah. just don't know that they did it because maybe it wasn't officially taught and you know, that kind of thing. So they don't, are they're just misunderstanding. They have a pseudo concept, if you will, uh, about it. So, but I think when you get to be in high school, uh, the more tight the grade, because they start competing for grade point average. And when you start competing for grade point average and you start competing for scholarships, the pressure sometimes is so high that they feel sometimes like, I don't have anything. I got to have something. Maybe I can get away with this. And uh, that's just, when I taught at high school, that seemed to be, the biggest issues uh, just, and it usually happened in my, uh, those pre those AP classes uh, when it did happen. And I think it's because the pressure was so great. And uh, so again, that's, that's usually, I don't think it's nefarious at all. I think it's just, just like we, <laughs> why many of us do what we do. And a lot of times that's just to cover our own self and to protect our own self. It's, it's a self-protection thing. And I think that's why it happens. I don't think it's to be mean or to, uh, you know, actually steal from someone. And with uh, the internet and what we have now is so much easier than it used to be that, I mean, you just go and pull, I mean, you can just go buy an essay. They'll have somebody write it for you. you I mean, you don't have to do that anymore. You can have chat. Now you have chat GPT. <laughs> you don't got to so, pay anything. Yeah. So it's even easier now. So I think as teachers, we've got to figure out, we got to be creative. And like I said, like I, and I know those uh, might not have been the exact same thing, but kind of what I did with those boys is sit down and find out why did you use this? And then figure out an alternative assignment so that not all is lost. Because I, I just really feel sometimes we we almost shoot ourselves in the foot with our discipline. And that's just me. It may I may be too loose for some. I mean, and I'm okay with that. Um, but it worked for me. And that is I'd rather have a product 
than a zero. I would rather have a product than someone in ISS that I can't teach anymore. So I try to keep them in the classroom as much as possible. And then I try to work through that. Now, if I can't work through it, so that might be my warning. We've talked about it. Now, if this happens again, well, we're going to go to the full, because now you're doing it on purpose. I've addressed it. Now there's no more warnings because you completely, uh, you know, better. And, you know, so, but I think at the beginning, I think you got to find out why they're doing it, figure out an alternative way for them to not get around it, but to have to redo the assignment so that, you know, for sure it's their work and not somebody else's and then teach them the importance of why citations and giving credit to those who own the work to begin with the origin of the idea. Um, try to, you know, give credit. You want credit. I mean, if you did something, would you want somebody to take it from you? No, you wouldn't. So, so you talk to them about that. Well, this is what you're doing. And so you want to make sure that you don't do that. So then you give them tools to keep them from doing that. And that's why I like that. Find all your information, write down everything, you know, without looking at your research. Now go back and see how accurate you were and then correct and support. And so that gives them a tool so that you're not just write it, write it again, you know, that kind of thing, which I've done that. <laughs> I don't care, just write it, just write it. I don't even want to do it, you know, no, but, but, but you give them a tool, you give them a way to go about it so yeah. that they, they, they're not straight, you know, sure. you scaffold for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and so I, I think a lot of it can come down to what are we what pressure are we putting on them how how well are we structuring it right um how much are we connecting them to the learning how how often are we sitting with them and conferring with them but mm -hmm. the other piece of this and we would be uh amiss to not mention it after the last two episodes is this ai component because we talked about giving oh, yeah. credit where credits do there's no regulations around this ai stuff it's not copywritten um mm -hmm. It is interesting because now that stuff is coming, right? This podcast, by me saying that, I just dated this podcast because the, it, within at most five years, it'll be faster than that. But at most five years, there will be all kinds of regulations on what is copywritten. Can you copyright AI? Like you, there's going to be national like AI data centers, like the same way there's research centers, right? Because it's mm -hmm. just holding all of this information. But we have like these, like you, you know, you have your trusted, uh, what are they called? The, I guess, online data, whatever, where you find research, like, EBSCO and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. All your uh, databases, your research. Yeah, patients. databases. Yeah. There we go. So, I mean, there that stuff, they'll be like, oh, this is the trusted AI for this type of thing, right? There's, I, I have a feeling that that's going to exist. Yeah. Right? Well, I think one of the things, too, and, and I was telling you about an interview that I, I, I watched the yeah. other day with uh, Elon Musk. And one of the things that, that he said in his interview was that we need, one of the things we need is because you can't tell if it's, it's AI or not AI, you can't tell. And so one of the uh, regulations that he would like is that the AI has to let you know that it's an AI because there is, it's not, like you said, there's no copyright. There's nothing like that on there. There's no, so, so right now you can just turn it in 
from your chat and nobody would know any difference uh, unless you as a teacher is, is experienced it. Because one of the things that when we were going through those lesson plans, it had the same format. There was a voice to it. Yeah. And if you are familiar with the AI voice, which I think they're going to move it to the point, it's going to learn to the point where you can't tell. Yeah. And I think you right now you can can't kind of tell. You can, you but cannot. it's when you look at it but it's close it's freakishly it's close. i mean you got it it is and it can do it so much faster i mean why wouldn't you want to use it i can see why you would i mean you would want to use it so i think uh but but the fact that uh, one of the things he said was that you needed they need to make sure that the ai um reports itself as an ai entity and right now it's just acting like a human and it's not and so it's really fascinating it's a fascinating realm and, you know because you and i we've been talking about it so i've been doing more research on it and i just think that as teachers we actually need to be looking into it and seeing like it's a voice what does it sound like can we recognize it and then figure out like we had said earlier how are we going to go about teaching these kids how to think their original thoughts? Because right now it it learns from whoever it's, you know, whoever they direct it to learn from. Well, that's not the whole world's thoughts, right? I mean, that's not, so it can be biased. And if that's the case, we've got to teach these kids more than ever now to recognize bias and to recognize what, what thoughts are okay with them and what thoughts are not okay with them. And when are they um, being persuaded in a way they don't need to be going? And I'm not saying one way is right or the other. I'm just saying as a person, I want to be able to think on my own. I like my autonomy. And I think it's important that these kids have their autonomy and in their thinking processes. And if we don't teach them how to do that as teachers, then we're really not doing them justice. That's just how I feel about it. That's why thinking is so important and writing yeah. is so important. Which I think is a great capstone to the conversation on plagiarism because it's so much plagiarizing is a symptom uh, of a lot of things. And you become an investigator as to why it's the same reason. Like when kids don't want to read in your classroom during independent reading time or whatever, a lot of the times there's a reason they feel mm -hmm. like there's a gotcha, right? I mean, how many times have you and I had the conversation with kids where they're fake reading, they're doing all of this, oh, and you yeah. sit down with them and you go, there's no, you're not gaining anything by doing this. I'm not judging you on how fast you read. I'm doing that. I just want you to find a great book. And they're like, oh, I can read whatever I want. Yes. Oh, I don't have to have like any pressure on it. Yes. And then guess what? They start reading because they the, start reading and then they start reading stuff they've never read before and go, <laughs> yeah. hey, have you ever tried this book? It's a really good one. You're like, wait, you're the kid that wasn't reading at the beginning of the year. Yeah. It's the same thing it's with trading, true, true, but true. it's. It's the, the conversations like, yes, we need to talk about plagiarism. We need to make sure that we're, we're getting kids to be honest in the work. But the more important conversation is how do you get kids to be invested at all to care about what they're saying, about why they're writing in the first place? AI becomes a non-issue when you see it as a tool for deeper creative thinking or problem solving or as something to support what you're already doing. It's coming either way. So you have to learn mm -hmm. how to navigate and anyone that's telling you it's 
<laughs> the doomsday and this is going to ruin education. They're wrong. They're 100% wrong, just like they're wrong about search engines and they're wrong about computers and everything else. Do they bring some negatives? 10,000% they do. But mm-hmm. but the the end of the world doomsdayers or whatever are they're they're, they're just wrong. <laughs> wrong is normal. I, I think it, it's going to take a deeper conversations with a lot of people, a lot of different teams. I think there's a as we continue down this pathway, Ocho, and we continue just kind of listening to educators and, and dealing with it in our neck of the woods and, and around, um, you're going to see a lot of people find really creative solutions to a lot of this and, and find really cool ways. It's already happening. There's there's already books published in education about chat GPT and open AI and all that other stuff. Um, and so we're not necessarily pioneers. I think we're one of the few people talking about it in workshop in general and how um, to think about this. So hopefully people are finding that piece valuable that it's, it's very focused on the English world, but any, any closing thoughts about plagiarism before we, we walk away tonight, Ms. Ochoa? Well, I mean, I don't, I never really had, I, I, I had moments throughout my years of kids trying it. Um, but I've never really had a huge problem with it. And I think, I think the reason I didn't have a huge problem with it is because I was out there with the kids. I was, I had them write in the classroom. They didn't go home and write. I didn't give an assignment and say, okay, go home and write this essay and bring it back tomorrow. So most of the time it was a process and I focused on the process. And I think by having the work done in my classroom in front of me stopped a lot of plagiarism issues. And I just think that that's, that's your golden ticket. If you got one. And that is it for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Craft and Draft. Check us yeah. out on Patreon.com slash Craft and Draft where you can get bonus episodes, bonus content, and everything else under the sun, including us analyzing ChatGBT lessons in the flesh um, and so much more. So go hang out over there if you would like. A lot of people, Ocho, I don't know if you knew this, I posted that ChatGBT conversation on Teach Me Teacher last week. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Because I thought it was such a cool conversation. Um, right. I thought we, had, we had a lot of people from the podcast come over. Uh, you can tell by the little yeah. spike, which was nice to see. Um, yes. I always love it when the the teacher teacher audience comes and pays us a visit over here. Hopefully, some of them are sticking around. Join us on Patreon if you can. If you can't, leave a review to the podcast. That really does help on any platform, particularly Apple Podcast. Uh, subscribe so you don't miss anything. We drop an episode pretty much every single Friday, sometimes Saturday, especially in the summer weeks. But we will make <laughs> that happen regardless. Come back next week for another fantastic conversation. You know that we are here for you. <laughs>